Welcome, welcome all to a big action-packed episode we have for you today. As we had two coaches announce that they're stepping down at the end of the season, one to much surprise and the other not so much. We had Match Day 22 in the English Premier League and the end of the January transfer window. So join us as we dive into all the last-minute action and EPL drama as an all-new episode of Bruise and Banter starts right now. What are you drinking for this episode, man? Had to go back to Old Faithful, my friend. Old Faithful, all right. Yeah. So today I have a collaboration from Humble Abode. Okay. It's TT's Barbecue and Brewing out of Spokane Valley. This was brewed there with Hattrick Brewing and Humble Abode. It's called Play-Doh IPA. Play-Doh. Play-Doh. Play-Doh, okay. What's yeah, it taste like? I have I had it when it first started, but I've been told from Matt, the owner of Humble Abode, that it ages much better. So Okay. Well, it's better than the first time I tried it. Because I'll be honest with you, when I first tried it, I did not like it at all. You didn't? It's very disappointing. Yeah, it's it's very hoppy up front. A little bitter, and then you get it's it's I think it's passion fruit. At the end of it, not quite as good as the one I had, or yeah, as the one coming up in our next episode. (laughs) Got to correct myself there, but it's pretty good. I'll give it a a six and a half out of ten. Ooh, six and a half. Okay. I am drinking Laughing Dog Mountain Hound Huckleberry Cream Ale. Ooh. This one is that is a lot of words there. Yeah, it is out of Ponderay, Idaho. Yep, I've been to their brewery. Have you? Yeah, I, I haven't had that one, though. The wife picked this one out, if I'm being honest, so <laughs> we'll see. This it, one's more of her alley. It sounds like one she would pick out. Not so much creamy, but can taste the huckleberry quite a bit, and it smells. Nice. It smells yeah. really good. Yeah, I bet. Huckleberry is one of my favorite flavors. And that huckleberry aftertaste is strong. Mm. But not very creamy for cream ale. Yeah. Cream ales are weird. Sometimes you get it very creamy and sometimes it's like, this is a cream ale? It's weird. It's more like a huckleberry Bud Light. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not bad. I mean, I, I would drink it again. I, I give it a, I'll give it a 6.9. Oh, <laughs> Nice. all All right right. well now from a word from our sponsor today's episode is brought to you by acorn hills clothing company sustainable clothing biodegradable packaging tree planted for every purchase and a percentage of their sales donated to charities yeah and that's not even the best part they give you these plantable clothing tags with every purchase pretty much greatest idea ever you just scan the qr code right here for planning instructions so make sure you go to www.acornhillsco.com and use bruise 15 that is b-r-e-w 
S15 at checkout for 15% off and have your tree planted today. Yes, don't forget to use our code BRUCE15 at checkout for 15% off. This is one you don't want to miss, guys. All right, Targo. So two coaches over the past week announced that they're going to step down at the end of the season. First one probably shocked the world. The world. And Jurgen Klopp is stepping down from Liverpool at the end of the season. Announced on the 26th of January. I will say firsthand, thank you, Jurgen Klopp. You made the Premier League fun to watch again. But I wanted to know, you know, in his nine seasons of euphoria, I guess, for Liverpool fans, because they were not very good nine before that. Nine seasons, man. He was there nine seasons? That is yeah, this, so long. This this being his ninth season. Yeah, he's got six trophies so far. The 2018-2019 Champions League, 2019 Super Cup, the Club World Cup, the Premier League in 1920, which was the famous COVID year. I felt bad because they had to celebrate with no fans <laughs> in the stadium. The 21-22 FA Cup. The 21-22 League Cup, you know, they did the double. And then 2022 Community Shield. But they're still in all competitions this season. First in Premier League, five points up. They're in the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea. They're still in the FA Cup and in the Europa League knockout stages. So, still could have the quadruple on their hands. Yes, which is crazy. Yeah, They're killing it. So, before Klopp, the last lead tackle was... The 1989-1990 season under Kenny Dalglish. They finished sixth under Brendan Rodgers the season before he took over. Yep. And their worst finish was his very first season in which they finished eighth. But they haven't finished outside the top five since. So, with that said, Targo, what is the legacy that Klopp leaves behind at Liverpool? High pressing, high energy, very entertaining football, man. Brought Liverpool back. You know, like like you said, the last title was in the 89-90 season, so the year we were born, 89. <laughs> and, and not just that, is he took one away from a dominant Manchester City squad. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got to think. He also finished second with, I think it's the third highest Nin- 99 point total. points, I think. 97 points, and City had 98 points. That's nuts. Like, in Premier League history, and you still didn't win the title. I mean, for comparison, Sir Alex Ferguson never finished with more than 91 points, and he has 13 titles. That's insane. It is insane. And I'll bet you a lot of people don't remember Liverpool before Klopp. Well, I mean, that's nine years is like an entire generation, so... It is. This whole younger generation knows nothing but Klopp and the success he's brought with Liverpool and that attacking football. Whereas you and I, man, we've been watching this long enough. We remember some of the managers of yesteryear. You think of Brendan uh, Rodgers, who was there from yeah. 2012 to 2015. He had the They came close. I believe they came in second one year. You had that infamous Gerard slip against Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> cost them and it the title. turn into one of the best memes of the internet so yes it would you had kenny delgleish for his second coming of liverpool for a year roy hodgson yep. was at liverpool yep. for a year i do remember that and the one i probably remember best was rafa benitez man yeah and most people of our generation will remember rafa benitez i mean he took them back to european titles 
didn't win a league, but he won quite a few trophies with them. So, yes, he did. And you know, that's again back to that Javi Alonso, Steven Gerrard. Yeah. Honestly, I'm trying to remember some of the players: John Arna, Jamie Carragher, Martin Skirtle. Um, Skirtle. Did he bring in Suarez? Suarez was Brennan Rogers, I believe. Brennan Rogers. Yeah. Okay. Um, trying to think who else. My, Fernando Torres. That Croatia or that Czech player. Um, um, Baros or something. Yeah. Forward. Milan Baros. Yeah. Yeah. Pepe Reina. They had some. Yeah. Pepe Reina. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, He's they had some great players. Too, man. But... Pepe Reina. That's what's crazy. Oh God. He's squirrely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. They had quite a few managers before then. None of them quite took them to the title. Got close. You know, Raph Benitez, uh, Brandon Rogers did. But with that all being said, and, you know, he's been up against Pep Guardiola most of his Liverpool career. How does he rank all time in terms of Premier League managers? Who, in terms of Premier League managers? All time. All time? I think I'm going to put him fifth. If he wins one or two trophies this season, does he stay in the same place? If he wins a treble or quadruple, probably not. Okay. And just for listeners that don't know who would be ahead of him, I guess Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, Jose Mourinho, and Pep Guardiola. Yep. Okay. Just had to make sure. Yep, those would be You didn't have a wild card in there for me. I did not have a wild card. But, yeah, I mean... Can't forget about what he did before he got to Liverpool. And so, again, if you want to say Europe-wise, or as a manager as a whole, I would probably put him above Arsene Wenger, because what he did at Dortmund was incredible, winning two uh, Bundesliga titles. I mean, since he left, Bayern Munich have won the Bundesliga every year. Fingers crossed for this year. but (laughs) Yes, fingers crossed. (laughs) I mean, that they don't win it this year. I'm going to say that. Oh, that Bayern don't, don't win. Obviously, you yeah. want Bayern Leverkusen yeah. to win it. Yeah, yes. Of course I do. Of course I do. As for me, yeah, I, it's hard because the work he has done at Liverpool has been so phenomenal in terms of changing the style of play, bringing in players. The culture. I would, normally, I would normally say he didn't spend a lot of money, but he did, especially towards the end. And Pep has spent quite a bit more than him to get the players that he wanted. And with all the, you know, financial fair play regulations and the 115 charges against Manchester city, we'll pretend that doesn't exist for now. There's a lot. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you, but I will say my opinion will change 100%. If Liverpool win a trophy this season and if one charge Manchester city is found guilty, one charge. So Pep would go from what, number two to three? Uh, he'd go from, I'm going to rank him four to five is where he would go. Okay. Yeah. I, I still think what Jose Mourinho did with Chelsea, I mean, allowing just 15 goals in an entire Isn't that season nuts? is no, nuts. No one's even came close to that. Sir Alex Ferguson, unless another manager wins 13 titles, I don't, I'm not going to even rank anyone above him. And then until someone goes undefeated for a whole season – Arsene Wenger is firmly in the top three. So, yeah. like, you have to beat one of those records for me to put you in the top three. So. Not bad. I like it. I like the 
the reasoning. Yeah. So, with all that said, I mean, thank you, Jurgen Klopp. You, you changed the Premier League from an era of complete and utter dominance for Manchester City to someone actually giving them some competition. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Arsenal, and it sure as hell wasn't Manchester United. Who is going to replace Jurgen Klopp? That's a tough one, man. I, I can list off some of the because I know you and I are going to have the same. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably have probably the same same names come up. But I mean, it's a lot of the same people. Okay, so the other coach is Xavi, who announced he'd leave Barcelona at the end of the season. It's not really that big of a surprise with the results that they've been having. I disagree with that, man. I disagree. Compared to last season, man, they look like a shell of what they are. And Javi has come out and said, if I lose any faith of the dressing room, he has I will said that, yeah. quit. And I think he has. I think he point. has too, which is why he's announced this. Or yeah. I'm guessing he announced it because it was about to get leaked. Yeah. Probably so, the Klopp deal. But here's why I think I, he's I, being harsh, man. Because Pep Guardiola said in a statement here recently that it is harder to manage Barcelona than any other team oh, yeah. in England. I would almost argue, besides Real Madrid, it's the hardest club in the world to manage. The yeah. expectations that are there, the style of play you have to play. And then right now, especially with they're all broke, the financial man. regulations, he, he, yeah, they they're broke no as one. shit. And they, they still buy, buy players. No they still I'm... buy players, but they can't register them, so they have to sell some of their best players. It's like this absolute mess selling all these random tv rights or sponsor rights or stadium whatever they're selling to try to make money but that's why i gotta give javi credit man because yes this season i mean they're underperforming they're in fourth place 10 points off real madrid who are in first you're right their defense has been the big issue i will say javi has been unlucky with injuries last season pedri gavi's out this this season season especially yeah it just feels like every time he gets someone healthy, someone else gets hurt. Yeah. But, I mean, they won the Supercopa and the league title last season. And so that's – I mean, so, okay. I'm not if, saying – If Mikel Arteta had won the FA Cup and league title last season, would you be calling for his head if they were in fourth place? No. I mean, they're almost in fourth place right now, and I'm nowhere near calling for his head. So. Exactly. And so – fans are criticizing Xavi he won them a title won them two trophies last season yeah that, fans are fickle man get. that's what I don't fans get, are man. fickle he won they're you fickle, two trof- trophies last season and they're calling for his head because they're in fourth place because Girona some for having some miraculous season and yes last season I will admit Real Madrid Atletico a lot of those teams were a lot poorer last season than they are this season those teams yeah. have strengthened where it looks like Barcelona have not I mean, they've had a couple of youngsters come through the ranks, but those aren't proven players, right? They're, they're not consistent enough to call them improvements, per se. No, I mean, you think about the big names they've really brought in. It would be João Felix, who yeah. question marks were always kind of over him since he left Atletico to go to Chelsea and then to Barca. João Cancelo has been hit or miss. I would say disappointing at best. I would say disappointing too. I mean, Pep sent him to Bayern Munich and then now he's sent him to Barca. So something's going on there. Gundogan going to Barca. He's When he's healthy, he's good. When he's not, which has been most of the season. 
I would argue he's been healthy most of the season, but I think it's just been too big of a shot going from Man City to Barcelona. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, he doesn't have the players around him like he did at Man City. A Rodri to bail him out to play defensively. A De Bruyne, uh, yeah. Which brings us back to your point. They're missing Sergio Busquets. They are, 100%. It's the biggest hole in their team. Or someone of that caliber in that position. Because, I, yeah. I mean, you're right. He wasn't fast. He wasn't no, a flashy player. But he, he did the simple things better than anybody else. And he got he got, he got got them out of trouble. Yeah. He, he was and, I mean, you've fight. seen the size of his feet, too. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Size 18s, <laughs> yeah. It's, they're not only are they massive, but they're hideous. Guys, I mean, guy covers little half tiny the... toes at the end of like a stick. It's like this long. <laughs> I don't understand. It, it looks like How's a subway that... foot long with just some little <laughs> maybe toes like on it. two. I don't know, but I mean, I I've seen a ball next to his foot, but I really want to see like a close up of a size five ball next to his foot because it can't. It looks. It probably look like a Lego. To be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Let's get back on track here. So, with those two coaches saying they're stepping out at the end of the season, a lot of the same coaches have been brought up to replace them. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing at the Lego. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. So, while you're laughing and drinking your beer, I'll go through this list. Okay, okay. okay. So, Xavi Alonso is the big one, right? He's doing a great job for Leverkusen. Yeah, for Liverpool. He's the one that's been essentially the favorite to replace Klopp. And then for both, you got Roberto De Zerbi, which we'll get into him later, a little bit deeper. Uh, Zidane for Liverpool. Diego Simeone for both of them. Guardiola to make a second return to Barcelona. Unai Emery for Barcelona. Mikel Arteta, Rafa Marquez. So pretty much any former player. That came through Barcelona. Spanish coach, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've seen Jose Mourinho linked to both of them for some odd reason. Julian Nagelsmann's been linked to Liverpool. Thomas Tuchel. I've even seen Ange Postacoglu linked to Liverpool. I saw that For one some too. reason. And then a couple of other ones for Barcelona. We got Sporting's coach Ruben Amarim. And then... An interesting one, which just unfolded a little, like very recently, was Porto's coach, Sergio, was it Conceição? I don't know how to say that. His contract expires in the summer, and he has said he's not renewing, which leads me to believe he could potentially be one of the favorites for the Barcelona job. So let's start with Liverpool. You have all of these coaches being linked to them. The favorite is obviously Xavi Alonso. It's his former club. He's doing fantastic. He coaches very similarly to Jurgen Klopp. Why does he make so much sense? Former player. That's why. And what he's doing at Bayer Leverkusen. Do I think there would be question marks about him going to Liverpool? About what he could do performance-wise? Yes. I mean, he's... It's a big I wouldn't, step. I wouldn't say he's brand new. He's been around, you know, in various leagues in Spain. But, you know, this Bayer Leverkusen job was his first, I would say, real spotlight gig, and he's doing a fantastic it's job. Been, it's been barely a year. But right? it's been about a year and a half. So yeah. that that's where my doubts come into play for Xavi Alonso going to Liverpool. For me, it's it's a lot of, like, he does he check all the boxes, right? Similar style of play, definitely. 
Even I would say he has improved on the gig and press that Jurgen Klopp patented. Is he a former player? Yes. So the fans will be behind him all the way. Does he know how to get the best out of his players? 100%. Is he going to need to spend a ton of money? No, I don't think he's going to. Maybe he'll go back to Leverkusen and sign a few players, but is he going to unite the fan base? They'd the cost players? a lot of money, though. So I don't know if I agree with that. Because he would cost a lot to get of money. some players. Yes, there is a rumor that in the summer he does have a clause in his contract that he can go to back to one of his three former teams: Madrid, Bayern, Munich, Madrid, Bayern. Yes, Liverpool, which yeah. brings up the question. If Thomas Tuchel is under fire, doesn't win any trophies. Is this like a preemptive move from Jurgen Klopp to make sure they get Javi Alonso and Byron don't get him? <laughs> Playing Conspiracy. the long game, Deep huh? Thought. Playing the long Deep game. Thoughts. Okay. I mean, that was the thought with Nagelsmann at yeah. Byron. So, or Tuchel, sorry, when they fired Nagelsmann. I, I just, I mean. Javi Alonso is the only one that makes sense to me. Is there anyone else that would stand out more to you? I like Roberto De Zerbi. Again, similar style of football, quick, lots of passes. They they press. Doesn't have a big budget to work with, so that's a good thing over at Brighton. So we could potentially yeah. do that with Liverpool. He does have that scouting network, though, that is like Brighton a million does, times yeah. better than anywhere else. Yeah. But also Premier League experience. Yep. So, Anybody else? I mean, makes sense. I don't think Zidane would go there. I think Zidane's no. holding out for the French French national team. Yeah, I think so too. That Ange one was just hilarious. Why would he go? I thought so too. After but the more there? the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. I like it. I think it would be. I fun. love it. But I, I absolutely love it, but I agree. I don't think it'll happen. Nagelsmann, I think, has a good shout. He hasn't been doing the best for Germany. He's also, again, a young coach who yeah, similar style. He's better at, better at club level. Yeah. Mourinho makes no sense. Don't Tuchel, happen, I don't yeah. think, really makes a ton of sense either. I think he'll stay at Bayern no matter what happens. I'm surprised Unai Emery's not linked to the Liverpool job, to be honest with you, with what he's done at Aston Villa. But yeah, it's got to be Deserby or Javi Alonso for me. Like they just tick most of the boxes yeah. more than anybody else. But what do you guys think? Make sure that you let us know on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell. Make sure to check out our new Instagram page, Bruise FC. Our new TikTok channel, Bruise Banter FC. Let us know. Who is going to be the next coach for Liverpool? I don't want like a maybe. I want to like, this is who it's going to be. I want some confidence. And why? (laughs) And why? All right. On to Barcelona, the hardest job in the world right now with the financial troubles they have. And it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon with the amount of money they spent on the new Camp Nou 2.0. Nope. This is a lot longer of a list, man. Mikel Arteta's come out and said, absolutely not. I'm not going. I love Arsenal. I've heard a lot of coaches say that and leave. So, just saying. <laughs> Rafa Marquez coaches their youth. Their, yeah, their youth team. One of their youth believe, teams, yeah. Barcelona 2 or something like that. Guardiola makes no sense. Why would you go there? 
I want to see him they... go there, if I'm being honest. Unless, I think if they get convicted, sure. Because he said he would quit if they get caught cheating. I think That if, would make sense. If Pep but... could go to Barcelona, make that team great with that tiny budget, with all their financial issues, then I would consider I would... him the greatest coach ever. I, but until that too. happens, yeah. mm-hmm. he needs to go to a team with that small budget and do something. Win a trophy. I don't think that will ever happen, but if it's going to be any team, it would be Barcelona. Yes. The Porto coach makes complete sense. I'm not even going to try to butcher his name again. Sporting's coach, Rim, has done a great job there. Would also make sense because both coaches are working on a limited budget. Sporting coach is top in Liga Portugal right now, so. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, Unai Emery makes sense. He's got a pedigree in Spanish football in La Liga. He's won numerous trophies and numerous stints for Villarreal. <laughs> but other than that, man, it's a load of names. Any one of these coaches could be a good fit, but like who stands out to you? I think Rafa Marquez. Yeah. Give him a chance. I think they give him a chance. It would be a very similar story to Arteta with Arsenal. It would. And I, I would love to see it personally. I can't look past you and Emery, man. He's such a good coach. Spain is where he's at. Like, he loves to coach in Spain. He is yeah. Spanish, which makes sense. I'm just repeating myself here. I, I just think with the job he's done at Villa, he needs to take that step up. I mean, Arsenal was too soon for him. He learned a lot, which is why he's doing so much better at Villa. Rafa Marquez makes sense. Arteta does not. I mean, ultimately, yes, we'd love to see Guardiola go back. But I, for me, yeah, it's between Emery, Deserby, and Rafa Marquez. Deserby would also be a good one, again, because those fans demand some some good football. Exciting football, yeah. Which Deserby would bring. So, yeah, that's Definitely. a good shout. Yeah. But let us know what you guys think. Instagram, Bruce FC, TikTok, Bruce Banter, FC. Facebook group. Make sure you're joining that up. Don't forget the YouTube where you can like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And of course, check out the Red Bubble, get the Bruise and Banter merch. And check out that uh, cool little company right there behind Redbeard. Acorn yeah. Hills. Acorn Hills. They're pretty fantastic, as you've already heard. Okay, let's get into the fun stuff, shall we? Match Before day 22. We... Match day 22. We start with our favorite team ever at Arsenal against Nottingham Forest. The scoreline was 2-1, to one, but I'll be honest with you, Arsenal dominated this match. More than double the touches in Force box, yet Awani makes his return from injury and gives Arsenal a nervy final five minutes. You got any fingernails, man, after the last few minutes of that game? <laughs> you see any? No. <laughs> Classic Arsenal style. Yeah. Making you sweat at the end. Yeah, you see that ludicrous display from Arsenal? <laughs> walking into the net <laughs> anyways what i did love to see from arsenal was a rare start from emil smith Rowe. yes that was fantastic to see about damn time Mikel and he was the most dangerous player for arsenal in the entire first half i'm pretty sure he was the only player that actually had a shot because it was numerous Good to see, man. Glad he's back. I mean, you remember that COVID year when he was he was the super sub, just scoring in every game yeah. he came in. Yeah, hasn't got yeah, a he single the sniff top of the game in a, for Arsenal. Yeah, 
Well, you had like 10 goals in like two months, something like that, something crazy. Anyways, back to Awani, our favorite player to say. Awani. And our <laughs> least favorite player to watch against Arsenal because it's his childhood team, but he can't stop scoring against them. Every his time. third goal in three matches. He did score a goal, and I'm going to just harp on it a little bit here. I know you've been heavy on it, VAR making a meal of it. It should have been the easiest call ever and taken about 30 seconds, but it took him three minutes to decide if it was a goal. I don't get it. Yeah, because it kind of looked like if it bounced off his hand or something. I think that's what they're looking at. I I don't know. I don't know. Bit of a lucky bounce, but. Yeah, but for Forest fans, it's fantastic to see him back. Yes, be honest they with you. suck right now, man. They are in a slide. Yeah. They they have been. Good to see him come back make go out of nothing. Bit of luck on the bounce. And I know we've talked about it off camera, but we're going to do it now. Is he the striker Arsenal need? <laughs> I think he wouldn't be terrible. He's better than Eddie Nketiah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I'm going to tell everybody else what I've already told you. Okay. Right? We got the three main strikers Arsenal been linked with, right? Well, two, really. You got uh, Ivan Tony, and why is his name out of my mouth right now? Victor Osman. There it is. Yeah, which they can't afford. <laughs> they can't afford. Well, they might be able to in the summer, but why on earth would you pay 120 million for someone who's got one good season under their belt? He hasn't played great this season. Victor He's unproven Osman, in the is, Premier League. Yeah. When you get him up against a physical team, he disappears. Let Chelsea have him. Let them pay $120 million. Whoever Chelsea is it. linked with, that's a player you don't want to go for right yeah, now. <laughs> exactly. Ivan Tony, he's 28. Yes, he's got a few good years in him. He's a proven striker. That's the prime, he's man. English. He's prime. He is. But Awani gives you something you don't have. A big physical presence in the box. He's fast. He's quick, too. He'll be yeah. in, he will be inexpensive compared to the other two, which gives you a lot more transfer budget to improve all of the other areas you need. And on top of that, it's his favorite club. So he will sign anything you put in front of him. I think it's a no-brainer, to be honest with you. Just saying. I don't hate it. I don't hate yeah. it. Anyways, Arsenal get their just their third away win in their last eight away games. It was their strength last season, their games away from homes, where they picked up a lot of their points. What has changed? Their goalkeeper. <laughs> We're going back to that, aren't we? Uh, I don't, well, their goalkeeper's <laughs> changed. Obviously, their midfield looks different. I mean, and I mean, we've seen Thomas Partey play with Declan Rice for what one game at right back. At right back. <laughs> Not in midfield, but at right back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Again, Aaron Ramsdale's point total away from home is much better than at home, and David Raya's away form is awful. So, yes, you're right. I'm just going to prove your point for you. Speaking of awful goalkeepers, how about Matt Turner in this game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, his nickname's Head Turner for a reason, but this Head one's Turner all the wrong reason. reasons. All the wrong reasons. Holy cow. Gabriel Jesus scores a goal from nearly an impossible angle right between his legs because he can't get his knee down fast enough. I don't know how that ball went in. Near post. I thought for sure. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really that. have anywhere else to go with it. No, he just, it pre- just like, okay, hoping a prayer, put it on target. 
Yeah. And then for Sokka's finish, he left a lot of the goal open. He did. It was still a fantastic finish moving away oh, from yeah. him, so I won't... Not not saying anything bad about that. Terrible about w- it, but it did look like he could have done a little better. Definitely a lot better with that first goal. Also got a shout out my favorite player, Montiel, for giving the ball away. <laughs> if you guys have been longtime listeners, you remember what I said about him at the World Cup. Yep. For Argentina. Yep. Yeah, we, we have our favorites on this show. Montiel is yours and Anthony is mine. And so. Richarlison, that's yours. And Richarlison, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, to uh, one game that probably was the most shocking result of this entire round. Not for but somebody. Also, but also, I was going to say it, somehow I picked this game right, if you follow us on our social media channels. I picked Luton to beat Brighton, and they did emphatically 4-0. Holy cow, did they tear the relegation race open, hammering the Seagulls. Dude, it took the lead in 20 seconds, and then 40 seconds later, 40 got seconds their seconds. Later. I mean, just nuts. <laughs> just nuts. That's fantastic for Luton. They're looking good. They're currently sitting out of the relegation zone in 17th with a game in hand. One point ahead of Everton. Someone was on to something there. (laughs) And I will say, Kenilworth Road might be, when it is popping, it might be my favorite stadium to watch. Oh my goodness. Is that place fun? I want to go there now just to see a game. A walk through the garden to the stadium. (laughs) Or someone's apartment, one of the two. But, <laughs> oh my goodness, the atmosphere there is nuts. You could just see it. And Adebayo fed right into that, getting a hat trick. Oh yeah. Where did that come from? And then their two best players of the match, somehow better than a guy who had a hat trick, Tom Locklear and Ross Barkley. Who was the better of the two in this one? Dude, I'm loving this new Ross Barkley at Luton. Loving it. I... I'm going to be bold and say he might be better than the version I saw. we saw at Everton. Ooh. Ooh. The way he's playing with what he has around him. The man has been transforming games. Not only games, but that entire Luton squad. Just saying. Yeah. What about Brighton, man? Let's, let's talk about their shambolic oh, defense. and <laughs> I don't know what is wrong with them. Estupinian looks like he's asleep half the time from the player that we've seen how good he's he can be. He one of the be. best left backs last year. We were talking he was one of the best left backs in the league yeah. last season. This season, I don't even know if I put him in the bottom five, like in the like 10 through 15th. He'd be <laughs> in the bottom five right now. I know he's been injured a lot, but he is awful right now. Are you worried about Deservey? Like, is this kind of form hurting his chances for a potential Liverpool or a potential Barcelona move like we were talking about? I think, I don't think it's hurting his chances, but I do think all of the rumors around him and him not doing anything to squash them is hurting the squad of Brighton. Brighton. Yeah, although their defense has been pretty shambolic. This is going to be my favorite word of this entire episode because I'm going to use it a lot. It's been shambolic for, well, pretty much since the Arsenal game. I mean, they've really only lost, they've really only lost like three games in their last, 
however many. But it's, it's draws. They have a lot of draws. It's a lot of draws. Yeah. And games they were winning, they give up late goals too. And they're goals they shouldn't be giving up. So, yeah, I don't know. Two wins in his last eight. It's not looking good for Brighton. I mean, it's kind of where we expected them to be, or at least me. That mid-table, yeah. Especially, Top you know, mid-table. we've seen we've seen what's happened to Aston Villa and Newcastle this season, being in Europe for the first time in a long time. Brighton, the same thing. First time ever in Europe. And I think it's really taken a toll. And I don't think it's that slide is going to stop anytime soon once Europe comes back and they start playing more and more games. So, okay. On to the Fulham and Everton game, which ended nil-nil, but I'll be completely honest with you. I have no idea in hell how this ended <laughs> nil-nil. Right? I mean, oh my so goodness. many bad misses. Just bad misses. So many. And I thought this was like the worst misses of the week I thought were in this match until I watched Liverpool and Chelsea. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Dominic Calvert-Lewin extends his goal at streak to 15 games, man. 15. Remember Surprise Ar- you? Remember when Arsenal were linked with him? Yeah. Sure Remember when Chelsea were linked with him too? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't understand it. And, you know, the obligatory Jordan Pickford saved them again. Saved Everton. Yeah. But how they didn't score in this game, I'll, I will never know. I'll never know. It's poor finishing. I mean, Beto, honestly, was looking like Lukaku at the World Cup. Four <sighs> yards out. Can't hit the goal. And it, it it's not like someone was challenging him. There was nobody. He was four yards out. And there's no one around him. And he has all the time in the world. And he puts it over. I yeah. don't know. Right? There's like an and invisible to make things... there's an invisible force field on that goal, man. There was ball was just hitting the post, crossbar, fantastic saves, goal line clearances, goal line just clearances. everything but going in the net. And then, and then Beto and Dominic Calvert Lewin have this sequence, like in the ninety, I think it was like ninety six minutes. Time, yeah, yeah, where they have pretty much a wide open goal, and they can't seem to get out of each other's way. One of them hits it, hits the other one. The other one shoots it, hits the other one. It happens like three times in the span of five seconds. And I don't understand how you don't just like jump or go to the ground, just Move, get the fuck bitch, out of the way, get out the yeah, way, <laughs> pretty much. I don't understand it. It's nil-nil. You're in extra time. Just get the fuck out of the way and allow someone to put the ball in the net because the goal is on the other side of the goal. I don't get it. Anyways, uh, Raul Jimenez Jimenez wasn't any better. I will say that, which is probably why they brought in Armando Broja from Chelsea. We'll get into that later. Anyways, we're going to Crystal Palace and Sheffield United. I know my segues suck today, so whatever. I'm a little heated. You are heated. This one, this one ended three to two, but this might have been one of the most exciting games of the week. Had some golazos. Oh my goodness, Crystal Palace! Your two stars take a bow. Pretty and good on Targo. Yeah, Michael. Over a year ago, well, yeah, over a year ago, calling these two out as the players to watch. I'm pretty sure they would go right into any top four team right now. Oh, dude, easily. Easily. Yeah. They yeah. should be uh, at my... a top four team. We'll see if they can stay at Crystal Palace. There's a hope and a prayer right there. Michael Elise, two goals and assists in this one, giving them much-needed three points after the slide they've been having recently. Probably saved Roy Hodgson his job this week. Yeah. yeah, it did. Debut for Sheffield United new boy, 
Gerbich, their new goalie they signed for two million from Atletico Madrid, he gets hurt. Has to only get last, subbed out. <laughs> he would only last fifty minutes after colliding with Mateta, which I mean, I'll be honest with you, he's a behemoth of a man. So he's a big I boy too. Yeah, Barrington Diaz getting his second goal inside of two thirty seconds. It was, it was honestly, it looks like a FIFA game right there, man. The way they were passing around the. The switch of the what field. A, what a ball over to the wing to get that ball to or the ball to him. It was like a, a half volley where I think it was Amer, Hammer, whatever. I always butcher his name. Where he like essentially hits it on the half volley and it goes right to his foot. It's fantastic. Unfortunately, he also would come off at halftime due to injury. So. Yep. And then we had the Michael Elise and Abrici as a show. They weren't going to be outdone by that first goal because uh, how much better are Crystal Palace with these two on the pitch, man? A thousand percent better with those two. I mean, without those two, this Crystal Palace team probably gets relegated. Yeah. I mean, literally all of their goals were those two passing the ball to each other. All three goals. There you go. Yeah. And uh, the second goal for them, a breach, uh, Breche Eze's volley. Holy cow. Was that a Galazzo? Well, it wasn't a volley. He shimmies and then cuts it onto his left foot. Okay. Went, no, he wasn't left-footed, but. No. Yeah. Yeah. Alise had the volley. He did. Yes. So let's talk about him. Michael Alise. What a player. Holy crap. This guy is got it has to I mean if I'm any top four, top five team, I don't care how much he costs below a hundred mil. I'm signing him next season. Hundred percent. The guy man. looks like he's not even trying. It's like he's got the passing ability of Kevin De Bruyne with some of these balls he plays in. It's not the same, I understand. But there's a lot of similarity there. Yeah, he's Which fantastic. team in the top four signs him? I hope Arsenal. That's I mean, I we've hope. seen Arsenal linked to him. Tottenham's been linked to him. A part of Manchester me th- United has probably had the most links to him. A part of me thinks maybe an aging Mo Salah leaves Liverpool for Saudi Arabia. Liverpool gets some money. They go sign Michael Elise. I mean, it only makes sense, right? It depends so. on who the coach is because, I mean, if... Javi Alonso comes in, you got that much money, I think he's going to go sign Florian Verts, who's where, just as good. Where would Verts play, though? I would put him out on the right, man. You would? Okay. Mm-hmm. Personally, I mean, there's a lot of things Javi Alonso could do with a player of his caliber, but same could be said about Michael Elise. All right. Now to one of the better games, or at least we thought. Aston Villa against Newcastle. Newcastle served Villa their first home loss in over a year, winning 3-1 to one and doing the double over Villa, jumping up to 7th. Fabian Schaar with two goals in the span of three minutes, both off corners in the first half. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it looked like a striker with those two finishes. <laughs> yeah, especially that first one. Whew! And then more uh, injury misery for Newcastle as Alexander Isak would come off injured 
But Miguel Almiron would come on, and holy crap, did he look like a player rejuvenated because he was easily the best Newcastle player on the pitch. He did and look good, yeah. Wonderful. What an assist for that third goal. Poor Alex Moreno. <laughs> he collided hard. When I watched goal, that, man. I felt that in my knee. It hurt. That hurt That hurt me. me. Holy cow. I mean, he's sliding from what? Six, seven yards out, full speed, collides with his knee right on the post, and eventually essentially knocks the ball in, even though the goal would be credited to Jacob Murphy. Ouch. And on the other side, Leon Bailey, man. Also a super sub. Should have started this game, man. Came on for Diaby and definitely changed Took the game over. around. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, him and Ole Watkins, fantastic partnership. They got, I mean, he got the assist for Ole Watkins' goal, which is the only goal Villa had. Thought they had two. VR would also take five minutes to decide if Watkins was on sides. He was off. You could see it. I don't know how it takes five minutes. I don't get it. And then this Newcastle squad looked like the squad of last season. The way they played. It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this was a really good game. And I I will say the first half of this game was probably the worst I had seen Villa play. Yeah. Especially at home. I mean, they've they've been flying at Villa Park. Yeah. They did a lot. It looked a lot better in the second half. I mean, the scoreline probably flattered. Newcastle a little bit. I didn't want the match to end, I'll be honest with you, because the way Villa were growing into the match. But, I mean, one win in five for Villa. Like you said, they looked in the first half devoid of ideas. They have. Is this worrying times for them? A little bit. They're in a slump right now, man. This loss to Newcastle. They had the draw to Everton. They had that loss to Man United, that draw to Sheffield. So I mean, those aren't those are that's poor form out of their last few. A lot games. of those games are games they should be winning. The way they've been playing. I mean, you think of the Man United one; they were up two nil. Yeah. So yeah. Again, team of two halves. I, I don't understand it. So we'll see if they need to start writing that ship to keep in that top four contention with Spurs. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Manchester City played this week. Um, they played Burnley. They won 3-1. to one. Yeah, two first-half goals for Julian Alvarez on his birthday. Rodri yeah, got 24 another. years old. Rodri gets another in the second half, a little reminiscent of that Champions League final goal. Yeah. How about that assist from De Bruyne to Julian Alvarez? That free kick. So it was a free kick that even Pep didn't see coming. No. The, he ran straight up to his set-piece coach and gave him a hug. <laughs> but yeah, the weight on that pass from Kevin De Bruyne for Julian Alvarez, man, that is not easy. He made it look easy. but it Not is so, only that. It is so but easy the way to overhit. Oh, yeah. And the way he disguised it, too. Like, was, I fully yeah. thought, fully thought that he was hitting a ball into the box over the defense. 100%, yeah. No, not at all. Burnley, they yeah. had you know a consolation goal, but man, City with KDB is scary. Alvarez is world class. Rodri can hit a shot. Doku's fast. Holland's coming back, and Ederson yeah. is scary. There was a sequence in this game, a little shove. Burnley player shove on John Stones, and Ederson did not like that. Man, <laughs> came in hard. You look back and you see Ederson coming at you with all those neck tats. 
Be like, oh shit, I'm running. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Man. I mean, City, what do you say? 75% possession, four shots on target, and three goals. Efficient. Yep. Efficient. Speaking of efficient, efficiently entertaining, we had Tottenham hosting Brentford. This one ended you know, 3 2. I didn't think I'd ever hear you say those two words associated with Tottenham. So Ange, man, Ange Postecoglou has done things, done things at Tottenham. He has done things, mate. He has done things. <laughs> but this was a honestly, this was a fantastic game for us because it had yeah. lots of banter, lots and lots of banter. Mm-hmm. Neil Mope yes, would score first for Brentford, and then he goes and does the the dart celebration that James Madison is known for. Hilarious. Spurs were terrible first half. Second half, they came out flying. They scored three goals in ten minutes. (laughs) Destiny Odogi, Brennan Johnson, and Richarlison. But Brennan Johnson and Madison, then, when he scores, they go do the dart celebration. (laughs) Madison and Mope are out there bickering. Madison says you haven't scored enough goals to do the dart celebration. Mope responds, "I haven't." Got At least I haven't relegated. been relegated. <laughs> <laughs> that is prime banter. Love to see it. Love it. I know. Out of everybody on the pitch, I would expect that from Ivan Tony, not Neil Mope and. Oh, James dude, Madison. Neil Mope's top banner. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, Ivan Tony would get a goal in the 67th to make things interesting. But what a terrible back pass that was! Destiny Otogi, what were you? You literally doing? see Vicario go. No, he's right here. No, and he still passes it <laughs> right to his feet. Vicario's like, well, shit, I, I do what I can. But yeah, Van de Ven back. James Madison back. So Spurs are now starting to hum again. Just wait till they get Son. Back from the Asia Cup. But yeah, they're sitting in fourth place, man. Yeah. They hold on to this spot the rest of the season? I think they do. I mean, the way every team that's around them has been playing, I, I can't help but agree with you. So, Speaking of top four, Liverpool put four past Chelsea to make it 4-1 at Anfield. <laughs> and speaking of top four, Darwin Nunez... Four shots against the post. Yes. <laughs> this was a good Including game, Including a penalty. <laughs> a good game for Liverpool. <laughs> yes. Jota goes through a stroll down the middle. Chelsea deciding not to play defense. He scores. Sums up the whole game. Good to see young right back Connor Bradley, only 20, gets his first Liverpool goal with a beautiful finish. What a baller he is, man. Keeping like, the moment I first saw him play for Liverpool, I think it was Carabao Cup against Arsenal. He shut down Martinelli. Shut him down. And now he's just reaping the rewards. Good for him. So yet another youngster spit out by Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, not afraid to play him. Keeps Trent out. I mean, he got the assist for... Dominic Zabosalai's goal. Christopher and Cuckoo got one back with some lovely feet from him. And then Luis Diaz adds a fourth. Again, terrible defending by Chelsea. But let's get to some of this banter over here about Chelsea and <laughs> Liverpool. Ben Chilwell, man. Hilarious dive in the Liverpool box that gets him a yellow card. 
And then my he goes favorite part. Yeah, go ahead. He goes and gets fouled part. a minute later. <laughs> and just the ref's like, nah, he's probably just faking it again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, Chelsea were non-existent in that first half, except for collecting yellow cards, which they had four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> four was the theme of this game. Four times Darwin Nunez hit the post, misses a PK, rattles it off the crossbar. PKs. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Mattichale that. was awful. Oh, he was terrible. Yeah. In this one. Especially for Especially that fourth Especially for goal. the fourth, fourth goal. goal. <laughs> keeps, and then, keeps Darwin Nunez on side and then just decides not to run with Luis Diaz. Yeah, just does not. I'm just, you know, I'm he, kept, he was on side, so I'm just not going to play defense. I'm tired. I'm ready I'm to tired. go. I don't want to do that. But let's Being of about- tired, I'm tired of seeing Mihailo Mudrik suck so bad he gets a ball played across to him acres of space he could have taken two three touches he's inside the penalty spot about seven yards outside the the goal what does he do puts it into rose ed i don't understand how this got thank you chelsea that's all i gotta say thank you arsenal dodged a bullet holy crap lando trossard is a million times better the rumors are, Josh, twice. the rumors are that ball is still waiting to come back down. That's how high up it went. <laughs> that ball is hanging yeah. out with Snoop Dogg. That's how high it is right now. <laughs> and Harry Kane's penalty from the World Cup. He is. <laughs> that ball is playing with Willie Nelson right now. That's how high it is. <laughs> Holy cow. I couldn't have put it better myself. I mean, Chelsea were just garbage. I mean, their lineup was hilarious on itself. Along with the individual performances. I mean, the shit players include Ben Chilwell, who got subbed at halftime. Benoit Batashale, who we figured out is also not a left back. Axel DeSassi, who we saw, is not a right back. So Milo Gusto had to come on at halftime. Moises Caicedo, who just gets yellow cards and generally does nothing but give the ball away. Mihailo Mudrik, who can't shoot as fast. Too easy. Just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Connor Gallagher, who again got subbed off at halftime. Enzo Fernandez, who is the biggest waste of over a hundred million dollars. Hundred twenty. Yeah. 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 But I will say, I do think in this game, Chelsea probably got robbed at least a PK or two. I would say two personally. Yeah. I think there was two penalty shots. Both should have been penalties. I don't think either way they would have won this game. I don't think it would have mattered. No, not at all. But yeah, I again, especially the, the second one where Van Dyke just kicks the foot of Nkunku. Like yeah. if the, in the first half, if that Jota PK foul is one, then that one has. This to is be. a yeah. But if, if that Jota penalty is a penalty, then both of the shouts. The Connor Gallagher and the Nkunku yeah. one should both be penalties. So, again, inconsistencies from refereeing and VAR. All we ask is for consistency or get the F out. It's all we ask. Go away. No one wants you. Bye-bye. Speaking of going away, go away, no one wants you. We had Eric Ten Hogs, Manchester United, taking on <laughs> Wolves at the Molyneux. <laughs> I will say, though, Man United, the first half of football was one of the best. <laughs> Are you dying over there? <laughs> oh, 
Eric Ten Hag more like Eric Ten Haggard. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. I will. I will give you credit. I stole that from you. But... Yeah, you like that little joke I wrote down there. That is great. He would have been anyway, very haggard if they had end up losing this game. They won it four three. United came out flying in the first half. Man, Marcus Rashford, Rasmus Hoyland scoring. Rashford used to go on a binger to Belfast more often, huh? Do a yeah, celebration I mean, in club photos. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand it, man. I mean, this guy goes to Belfast, goes on a binger, gets suspended, I guess, and comes back and scores a banger. He hasn't scored a goal in how long? Talk about uh, a nerd, though, that he has to do his goal celebration and his photos at the club. I don't get it. Who does I that? Don't get, it. get out of here, Marcus yep. Rashford. Yep. Well, what he's saying is, hey, watch this. It's the only time he gets to do that celebration because he ain't scoring any goals. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. But this was an interesting game. So, yeah, United are up 2-0. Wolves come back in it, get a PK for a foul from Casemiro on Pedro Neto. Oh, yeah, Casemiro's back playing. Yep. Soft. Very soft foul. Not even a foul for me. I'll be honest with you. I can't watching it live. I couldn't argue with the ref pointing straight to the spot. You see the replay though, and it looks like maybe his toenail slightly grazes a leg hair. Yeah, I I, again, even in the replays, it still looks like contact's not enough to overturn it. But should he be falling down from that contact? No, no, he should not. I will say that. But looking, watching it live, it did look like a foul. So it's because Casemiro dangles that leg out there, that dirty dangler, the dirty dangler. But super sub, top goal scorer in the Premier League, Scott McTominay, <laughs> get United back and rolling with their third goal. I mean, man, you might as well call this guy Mister Man United. He's literally the only person on that entire squad that plays for the badge and actually fights for it. Yeah, but he also is not the best defensively. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not a defensive midfielder. He I, apparently gets played not. as such, but he's not at all. At all. At all. At all. And then two quick goals from Kilman and Neto tie things up before young midfielder Kobe Mainu with a lovely goal right at the death, 97th minute. <sighs> lovely nutmeg. Ooh, Curls Man United fans! They saw. Man United fans, I see why you're so excited about this guy. He's 18 years old, and he's scoring goals like that. Yes, that's all I gotta say. But man, there's a crap ton of goals at the end of this game. Is this a goal of or a game of the season contender? It probably is game of the season contender. I probably would give it match of the week. I, I, there's been a the lot of good games this season and still a lot of football to be played. So for right now, I'll add it to that list. Okay. Let's talk about Man United a little bit because their first half, <laughs> they looked really good, played phenomenal, good passes of play put together. Second half, United. Andre was... Onana happened. That's what happened. <laughs> I wouldn't say – I mean – so, yes. I mean, this is probably the bet one of the best games I've seen Lissandro Martinez play for Man United. He was fantastic. So, so kind of harping on that, I would say this lineup for Manchester United was probably their best lineup 
with yeah. Lissandro, Varane, Dallow, Luke Shaw, Kobe Mayno, Casemiro, Bruno, Marcus Rashford, Garnacho, and Rasmus Hoyland. But you're not yeah, wrong. Onana, once again, comes out flying in this one, punches <laughs> someone in the face, trying to get to the ball. Gets nowhere near the ball, and yet another foul is not called. It's the second time against Wolves that it has not been called. Second. Why does this never get called? Why are goalies just allowed to come out and punch players? Like, that's just allowed now. Goalies, yeah, I, I, they can come punch Shouldn't you. be. Shouldn't be. I mean, as a goal, when I played goalie once upon a time, yes, I did try to do that on purpose, but there was no VAR, so the ref, like, <laughs> never saw it. So, you're, you're, a, you're a dirty dangler, <laughs> too, there, man. I was. Yeah. I've been known to get a red card for hitting someone in the nuts in the wall. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, you, you are a double dirty dangler. <laughs> but how about Onana's whatever. positioning for that third goal? Like, Dude, well, I don't know who he was covering. Did he just decide like, he or did he forget he couldn't dive or just like oh I, I forgot did I he forget that he was goalie. in goal I don't know <laughs> he left three quarters of it open I will Pedro say Neto it does go through Moran's legs like, but okay yeah I, come on I don't what does he ever he's think better. when he's in goal I don't know questionable same subs guy. as well from Ten Haggard bringing on McGuire <laughs> Evans Anthony <laughs> Anthony yeah he should have stayed on the bench. You know who should have gone out on loan instead of Palestri? Anthony. You would have been better <laughs> off with Palestri. Okay? Yeah. Anyways. Agreed. Agreed. All right. The last game we had was West Ham hosting Bournemouth. It ended 1-1. Good old Calvin Phillips got the start. And, man, it looked like he hadn't played football in a while because he was very much at fault for the first goal with a terrible oh, back pass. Goodness. He was and so was just... bad in the first half. That was he just was three so minutes bad. in, man. Yeah, terrible back pass. Solanke with his 13th goal. And now we know why Pep wasn't ever playing Calvin Phillips. Yeah, well, it's probably because he saw Calvin Phillips without his dreadlocks. Whatever that haircut is without the dreadlocks. He probably was like, this guy should not step foot on the field. He scares me just looking at him. <laughs> That's saying something when you have Ederson on your team. I know, Exactly. And not, like, scary in, like, not a good way. Ederson's scary in a good way if you're a Manchester City player. Yes. Calvin Phillips is not scary at all. He's he's goofy. He's goofy, yeah. Kudis would get fouled. It was a foul. James Ward-Prowse scores a PK in the second half. Good I would disagree. I do not think this is a foul. The he defender trips the over Kudis' feet. He trips over Kudis' feet. How is that not a foul? He's How behind him, steps on his leg. He brings he Kudis step down on his as leg. he's running away. Yeah, he does. He, he brings him down, yes, but he doesn't step on his leg. He, he steps on the back of his leg. leg, dude. Watch the replay. Because you're right, he's tripping and I... falling, the defender, and he goes wow. and steps on Kudis and bundles into him, bringing him over in the box as he's sprinting away from him. That's a foul. In what world I is mean, tripping I, another in, player not a foul? Accidental contact. It doesn't matter if it's ac- accidental. It's a trip. Anyways. When you have the ball and you're getting was, away from a player. I didn't think it was a penalty. You're not going to change my mind. I'm sorry. That is 100% a penalty, man. Nope. Let us know in the comments. Was that Kudis foul a penalty or no in that West Ham Bournemouth game? Please, someone agree with me. He trips into him, man, as he gets around. That's a foul. Total foul. 
Anyways, I've said it once. I've said it a million times. Aaron, Eric Ten Haggard bought the wrong player from Ajax. Should have bought Mohamed Kudis, but he bought Anthony. He should have. He should have. <laughs> Would have saved himself fifty million, where they could have bought a better goalkeeper. Throw that out there. Anyways, truth, truth. All right, on to our final segment. We're gonna run through it because this is probably the most boring January transfer window of all time. It was not good, huh? This was not good. Just, just to let you know, there was more money spent on the final day of this transfer window than there was the entire transfer window combined, and it still was barely over a hundred million for the Premier League, which is like pennies compared Peanuts. to what they spent. Peanuts, man. Last January. So we're just going to go through and last January, one player was more than that. And Enzo Fernandez. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to go through and give a letter grade for all of these players and their signings. And that's it. We'll discuss them later. We're going to start with Timo Werner from RB Leipzig to Spurs on loan. A B for both. I'm going to go an A for RB Leipzig because he wasn't playing and he had high wages. And for Spurs, I'm going to go with the B minus. He showed promise. It probably could get upgraded. He's got two assists already, which before Manchester United played, he had the same amount of assists as Bruno Fernandes. So B minus. There you go. Jane Sancho, Manchester United, loans him back to Borussia Dortmund after just 30 months where they spent $73 million on him. And United are still paying half his salary. D for Man United. A for Borussia Dortmund. I'm going to go F minus for Manchester United. <laughs> because they only had him for 30 months after spending $73 million on him. That's like an insane amount of money to pay for someone for 30 months. Is that like over 10 million a month. No, I don't know math. It's bad. Anyways, he's got two assists and three matches for Dortmund already. I'm going to go a plus for Dortmund. He's already happy and playing again. So yeah, Eric Dyer from Tottenham to Bayern Munich on loan. B for Tottenham D for Bayern Munich. I'm going to switch my last one and I'm going to go, a plus for Tottenham because he wasn't playing anyways. And he was only hurting them. And the F minus for Bayern Munich because there's no way in hell he makes their team better in any way, shape, or form. At all. At all. Radu Draguzin from Genoa to Tottenham for 25 million euros. Haven't really seen him play. He came on a little bit for Spurs, but. You probably will see him a lot less now that Vanderven's back, so. So maybe a a B for got, Spurs yeah. and B, B for, for Genoa. both teams. Genoa, yeah. yeah. One that really surprised me, and I know I've watched him a bunch. You maybe not so much. Gift Orban, who has been linked to every top club in all of Europe, goes from Gank to Lyon for 12 million euros. Okay, so let me know what grade that is then. I'm going to give Gank probably D and Leon an A plus because this guy has the potential to be a world-class striker. 
very young. I think he's only 20 or 21 years old. He might be even younger than that. And Leon has been struggling this season. They absolutely need a better striker than Alexander Lacazette, who has been shit. So he hasn't gotten any better since he left Arsenal. One that surprised both of us, Geraldo Becker went from Union Berlin to Real Sociedad for 5 million euros. F for Union Berlin, probably a B for Sociedad. Yeah, I, I probably agree with that because he was their best striker. Why yep. would you get rid of your best goal scorer when you're in a relegation battle? And not only that, but to give him up for that cheap? A-plus for Real Sociedad for the price. Now you got some yeah. depth at striker. Good for them. Valentin Barco. 20 or 19 year old left back from Boca Juniors to Brighton for 10 million pounds. I don't know if you ever heard about him. I saw that this transfer happened. He's a stud. Absolutely lightning quick left back. One of those talents that Brighton seemed to snap up. I think next season you'll see that he's kind of probably deputized for a stupid yen the way he's been playing. Because it won't be no bright man. They always get A-plus signings for the most part. Yep. Yep. And we got probably an A for both because his contract was up in the summer anyways. So the most hilarious transfer of the entire January transfer window, we had Jordan Henderson canceling his contract in Saudi Arabia for Al Etifak and joining Ajax. F for Al Etifak and I'll say a C for Ajax because he still hasn't played yet. I would go probably a C for Ajax as well, and a, yeah, F minus for L Etifak and Steven Gerrard, and probably an A plus for Liverpool because <laughs> the amount of money they got for him. Calvin Phillips from Manchester City to West Ham on loan, option to buy. After that first performance, is probably a pretty low grade. Not gonna lie. After that first performance, man, A plus for Man City and a D for West Ham. <laughs> If yeah. not enough. Yeah, because I think they paid seven mil just for the loan and an option to buy is yep. I think eleven, something like that. Yeah, A plus for Man City. I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice and give a C for West Ham. Arthur Vermeeren from Antwerp to Atletico for twenty two million and five million in add ons. This guy was lighting up the group stage and probably the only good player for Antwerp. How good of a signing is that for Atletico? So yeah, I know when this one happened, you and I were surprised that Atletico were able to pick him up. Fantastic signing for Atletico. I mean, in Antwerp, they got a, a nice penny, $22 million yep. plus $5 million yep. add-ons. So great piece of business, I think, by both clubs. Yeah, I think so too. One that came out of nowhere, Sasha Bowie from Galatasaray to Bayern Munich for $30 million. I I mean, they need a right back, so... They need a right back. I've seen him play, obviously, in the Champions League. But is he worth $30 million? I think they overpaid. In January, probably, because Galatasaray has barely had any time to f- fill that void. And it looks like they're going to sign Serge Aurier, according to Fabrizio Romano, for, I think, $22 million. So it's good business for Forrest, I guess. Antonio Nusa, one of my favorite up-and-coming wingers. Club Bruges to Brentford, loaned back for the rest of the season. 
Tottenham for the entire January transfer window favorites to sign him. Went to Good Brentford. Job Brentford. Yeah, this is going to be a fantastic coup for them. He's only 18 years old, signed him for 30 million. I think the reason they got to sign him is because they loaned him back for the rest of the season. I don't think Tottenham wanted to. So great signing. I'm going to a plus, a plus for both teams. Yep. Yep. He's going to be fantastic. I would, I don't know if I'd go a plus cause it's hard to give a plus to a youngster who's unproven. So I'll go B. Okay. Morgan Rogers, Middlesbrough's striker, Going to Aston Villa for eight mil. He's a big twenty-one-year-old striker, and he's been on fire this season, getting Middlesbrough all the way to the Carabao Cup semifinals against Chelsea, even though they got blown out in the second leg. That's that's good for Villa because they don't really have a second option to Ollie Watkins. Yeah, I, John a plus, yeah. a plus for Villa. I probably give a minus for Middlesbrough because there's no way you're going to keep him at Middlesbrough when Villa's coming to Colin. So. The one that surprised me probably the most in this entire transfer window, Gio Reyna from Dortmund to Nottingham Forest on loan, joining his compatriot Matt Turner in that locker room. I feel like that's a fantastic pickup for Forrest. I don't know where he'll play with the likes of Hudson Adoy and oh, that other winger that for some reason. Gordon Gibbs on. White and I mean he's a fantastic player. He's a very raw talent still. He's still what, eighteen, nineteen years old? Alanga, I mean, that's what, what I'm thinking, Alanga. Alanga, yeah, who's been on fire this season. So I don't I know if he even gets into that Forest team. <laughs> I don't know either. I would say I think he's, at this point, better than hudson Adoy, But that's not really the position he plays. He plays more of that number 10 role, sometimes out on the left, I guess. I just mm-hmm. Does he start over Morgan Gibbs-White? Probably not. Not with Probably how not. much weight he has with the Forest faithful. But still some much-needed depth in that. Forest side that is what eighty six players and counting. <laughs> so, Facundo Palestri from Manchester United to Granada on loan. This one surprised you a little bit. I thought he was pretty impressive there for Manchester United. I mean, he's better than Anthony, so good yeah. pickup from Granada. Yeah. A for them and Man United as. They get rid of a young player, hopefully gets more play time, but he should be getting playing time over Anthony, so Yeah. So I'd go I'm gonna go D plus. Only for the playing time aspect. Armando Brogia from Chelsea to Fulham on loan. I think that's fantastic for Fulham. They desperately oh, yeah. need a striker, especially if you saw that Raul Jimenez performance. And then Chelsea, I don't know why they're getting rid of him. They got Nico Jackson. And Nkunku, who we've seen is injury-prone. What happens Very. if one of them gets hurt? <laughs> yeah. And then lastly, some weird video posted by Real Madrid stating, I know this will be posted on the day that is released, but some big announcement video saying just zooming in on someone on a computer, typing new, and then it ends, and then says February 2nd announcement date. Of course, all the speculation is Mbappe. It is. I don't know what it could be. Who? It could be their new partnership with HP that gets them 75 mil a season. Could be. Who knows? Because it For is a, a computer logo, right, and right it says there. new. So way to keep everybody on edge there, Real Madrid. That was awesome. Uh, Nottingham Forest, most active team again 
on transfer deadline day with uh, two loan signings and then signing Matt Sells from somewhere in Germany for five mil as a goalie. And sending Augsburg, thank you. And then Oriol Mangala and potentially Serge Aurier out the door for, I think, a combined about 50 mil. So good for them. All right. Yeah, so that brings us to the end of this very long episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe our YouTube, give us a follow on the Instagram, Bruise FC, on the TikTok, Bruise Banter FC, the Facebook group, the Redbubble. Check out Acorn Hills. They got some pretty cool stuff. You wanna you wanna look at that. Yeah, but on that note, man, awesome. as always, we love you guys. Thank you so much and cheers. Cheers.